It's time. Landeskog turned it over to Horvat, right to the slot. Pedersen scores! Is there anything this kid can't do? For Locked On Canucks. Now Pedersen out the right wing side. Saucer pass, left circle. Besser shoots and scores! It was good that Brock Lesnar got a goal. You're going to be shiting me! The kids continue to get it done with Justin. Sex. He's a weird dude, yeah. It's good to have weird dudes. Mr. Commissioner, can you confirm? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are back for another episode. It is your Locked On Canucks for Friday, August the 21st, the day that the Canucks are getting set to play game six against the St. Louis Blues. Could wrap up the series this evening, and I am joined to talk about uh, everything that we've seen in this series so far and what we might see in the game later on tonight uh, by none other than my friend, and hopefully yours as well, Ryan Schapp of Pucks on Net. Uh, Ryan, I cannot believe it's taken so long for me to get you on the show and make your Locked On Canucks debut, but I'm happy to have you here with me. Well, we live very close. We're in the same neighborhood. Yes. We're undisclosed same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I was going to come over, but my car was in the shop, and I should have uh, contacted Rock Auto Parts and uh, <laughs> just taken care of that myself, but I'm here, and... I, uh, I, I've, I've practically floated here based on the game we saw last night. Oh, I thought you were going to say you practically floated here because you've lost so much weight thanks to the good folks at Built Bar <laughs> as we sneak in a couple extra sponsor mentions. I mean, that's why we're so fired up. That's why I was happy as a clam going to bed and waking up this morning because those Built Bars, they got me jacked up. The Canucks victory last night got me jacked up. Uh, I was sweating for about the twenty-five last 25 minutes of that game, and uh, the old man texted me afterwards, and he said, what a goddamn emotional roller coaster, and I couldn't have put it better myself. Well, where are you at emotionally right now? Because I was having this conversation with Vyas Saran last night uh, about kind of um, not... <laughs> Early in the series, I didn't feel despair, and I didn't feel elation really either. I wasn't necessarily convinced that this is going to be easy. They're going to sweep the Blues or whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't even I didn't even talk myself into the fact that they were going to win the series. I just felt calm in general. And that calmness kind of subsided in games three and four. It, I, w- I will say I still maintained a level of calm in game three because how can you be mad about a game they lose in overtime, right? It would have been nice to go up 3 nothing, but ultimately they still have control. They're still uh, you know, in a good position. Game four just went so badly. And the first half of game five, even, that I started to feel that sort of hollow sadness and dull ache that is so familiar to us as Canucks fans. Yep. Even when they won the game, though, I, I'm not back in that calm place. The end of that game was so stressful that I didn't feel any relief when it ended, <laughs> even though they won. Uh, I, I remember listening uh, to... what. First off, there was that icing call in the final final seconds that clearly was icing, and they let or that wasn't icing. Sorry, and they let that go. So I was already nervous about that. And then I remember hearing Chris Cuthbert go, and they cleared it. No, no, they oh, didn't. Yeah. And held in at the line. The way he said it was held in too. Oh my lord! And I had flashbacks of high school and Minnesota and Detroit and Colorado and St. Louis first time and everybody. And just I looked at the ground and I'm like. I hope this works. So yeah, I didn't feel any relief until it was done, and but the I, I I lost a lot of hope after Game Four because that was a game where the Canucks would play 90 seconds 
hemmed into the Blues' own zone. They would get exhausted. They would do everything they can to get the puck out. When they finally did, they were too tired to do anything with it, chipped it out, changed. Blues picked it up and did the exact same thing all over again. You repeated that for 60 minutes. It was a depressing, soul-sucking game. And, you know, you talk about game three, which they were outplayed a lot in the third, most of the second, but they stayed in it. And you went away from that game going, well, they weathered the storm. St. Louis is the Stanley Cup champs, but they they held on. They competed with them. There was a lot of positives. I, there weren't too many negatives out of game three outside of getting outplayed like a, a mother uh, trucker. I don't know if we're allowed to swear on this damn, uh, this high-class uh, program you got here. <laughs> yeah, game four was soul-sucking, and I went in, had a lot of uh, doom and gloom uh conversations with people about that this was you know that the blues were up in a series that were tied 2-2 and i'm not quite as uh elated and uh, and assuming that this will wrap up on on friday night mm-hmm. tonight when this airs but i i'm okay i feel like they got a good fighting chance yeah and it's funny because i don't feel like even though i was enormously stressed out during game five yep i don't feel like i should be you know like this is still technically the honeymoon period of this core. There are no expectations of this team to perform this year. We're in the, uh, you know, Maple Leafs when they face the Capitals stage. There's nobody thinking this team is in any position to win the Cup this year. There's no expectations on them even advancing to the second round. Everything that we're seeing should be encouraging as far as helping these guys grow. Mm -hmm. And I know that... Uh, Travis Green stressed this in his uh, availability before Game 5, that there are lessons to be learned here, but they're not here to learn and lose. You can still learn and win. Absolutely. Why? You're not going to want to... You know that all, like the, every team, possible team, in the Canucks' path to your, <laughs> air quote, Stanley Cup, they should arguably lose quite, you know, quite easily to. Vegas, yeah, especially Colorado. Colorado, uh, you, how could you not be terrified of the Avalanche right now? But you want them to win, and I'm starting to realize, like, we are getting very emotionally invested in this team because of what's going on right now. COVID cases are up. We kind of, you know, the in the summer when hockey was coming back, there seemed to be a, an end in sight, a, a back, a trip back to normalcy, mm-hmm. and now we. Now we don't have that. It's ramping up again here in Vancouver. All we got is the goddamn Vancouver Canucks, and I want, as long as I'm stuck sitting in my home or not being able to go back to work or do whatever, I want to watch the Canucks, and I want to watch them win. Because it's not enough to have hockey back. It needs to be Canucks hockey for you to actually care about it. I, I am watching hockey all day long, but if I if you ask me what are, what are the, uh, the intriguing storylines in the East or the West... There ain't a lot. There's a lot. There's been a lot of uh, d- shit kicking series, and there's been a lot of just questionable officiating. So I, <laughs> I need the Canucks as my distraction right now. I, there's nothing else going on out there. I mean, life's life's fine, and I'm doing okay. But I, got, I need this. I'd say you're doing very okay, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but that's neither here nor there. We'll get back to that in just a second. But first, 
I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever created. And if you're like me, you've been trying to focus perhaps a little bit more on your health, a little bit on shedding some pounds during this pandemic, coming out of quarantine looking as svelte and better than ever. The best way to do that, of course, exercise is important, but diet and what you eat is just as, if not more so. And the improved Built Bar is even deliciouser than it was before. And it was already very delicious. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, in case you are allergic. Six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp, in addition to the 12 original flavors, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, Coffee, almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. All of the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew, and Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy just like you or me. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat because Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. They are great for the keto diet. And right now you can get on out there and enjoy the summer sun because you get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. And this will only last a week or so, so you should get on it right now. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your next order. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. I do want to get back to, though, the idea uh, that you were talking about earlier about, you know, that in game four, especially, and it being a soul-sucking game where they were just trying to do the same things over and over and mm-hmm. over again and failing miserably again and again and again, because that felt like the story a little bit in the early stages of game five as well, as the Canucks just continue to try to dump and chase instead of carrying the puck in themselves. And... I understand on some level why they're doing that. They don't have a ton of players who can effectively carry the puck in outside of Pedersen, maybe Miller, definitely Quinn Hughes. But even then, the Blues are playing a very, um, I don't want to say trap style, but a little bit. Yeah, especially in the penalty kill. They're they're lining up four guys at the line and not allowing you anything at the entrance to the zone. There are no rules in these playoffs. Trap is back. Jacques Lemaire is smiling from above. But but at the same time, like when I watch the team continue to dump and chase and dump and chase, when it's obviously not working and they're not getting anything out of it, you know, part of you tends to wonder is this coach all there why isn't he seeing the things that I'm seeing and it's funny that we say that you know that that might be your inclination to think that early in game five because by the end of the night everybody just has effusive praise for Travis Green and the way he jumbled up his lines and was able to find a mix that got Pedersen away from O'Reilly and got his team generating things at five on five for basically the first time in this series yeah it was unreal so he looks like a genius now of course he uh, does. but there have been causes for, I guess, consternation might be the right word with Travis during this series. And I don't mean to say that he's a bad coach because that's not what I believe. I really do think he's a smart guy. I really do think he does arrive at the right answers about 
you know, 98% of the time. It might take him longer to get there <laughs> than some fans might want it to, him to get there. You know, it, it does feel like there's a certain chunk of the fan base who tends to get to the right place maybe eight games before Travis does. But he always does get there well, eventually. Tra- tra- and I, Travis is a safe boy. Yeah. He wants to do the safe thing, and he'll, he figures it'll work out over time. And I would argue that game four was... Travis's safety bubble, his warm, comforting blanket that he just said, we're going to do the same thing, we're going to play the same smart hockey, and it'll work out over time. And my God, spoiler alert, it didn't, and (laughs) it didn't work. And I imagine that the phone boards at both radio stations doing post-game shows well into 7 o'clock in the morning, everybody was saying the same thing. What the hell? And no one's calling for his head. I don't think I've heard a single person, even after they lost two in a row, who said this guy deserves to be fired. Not a smart person, at least. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I just – I like him a lot. I, I think there's very few coaches in the NHL I would rather have running this team besides Travis. But, like, you know, it's just little things like even, you know, having Quinn Hughes run power play one. Mm-hmm. That should have been obvious from the very beginning. <laughs> and how long did it take us to get there? I think 12 or 13 games going back to the beginning of the year. I mean, that was that was years ago, Justin. <laughs> Come on, pal. No, he he's always been stubborn. And I, I always... I've come up with this own conclusion myself that, like, look at the kind of player Travis Green was in the NHL. Mm-hmm. He was a hardworking, you know, wasn't the flashiest, wasn't the best, wasn't the most skilled, but he pro- he got by on just being, I'm going to work my ass off and I'm going to work my way into the lineup and work my way staying. And in the those lineup. are the kinds of players that he favors as a exactly. coach. Exactly. And it's also, you got to look at. I bet you he's a guy that got scared at a young age in his career by some old coach, and it benefited in his behalf, where he got the he got terrified, he got some mind games, a mental approach, he got some benchings, and he responded positively because he loves doing that to literally anybody in this roster not making six million dollars a year. He did it to Quinn Hughes on the power play. He sat out Brock Besser to start the year. He's He's, I mean, he's done it. He does it consistently. Jake Furtan and how much time you got, buddy. I think that he has a very particular way of coaching that maybe off the off the hop, it doesn't seem the most effective. It's a, it's a lot of rod and very little carrot. <laughs> if that makes <laughs> yes, sense. Yes, I like it. That's very that's a that's very succinct. But he is a peculiar guy, but I don't have any complaints. And yeah, in, in game five, he did the lineups and he did the line rushes in the warm-up like with the, fake lines. Finally, it feels like it feels like the Canucks have had these simpleton uh, Gill from the Simpson head coaches like they're just trying their best. I didn't know you could put <laughs> fake lines in the and just Give them that mind. Give them that mindset. There. And and that's what I was gonna say because even if it takes him a little longer to get there than some people might like, he gets there. Yeah. And you could not say that about a guy like Willie Desjardins, who would never arrive at the right conclusion, would never change anything about what he was doing <laughs> because he didn't even have a plan in the first place. He had a plan. It was on his clipboard. No, Justin. his plan was to like weather the minor heart attack he was having during every single game. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just make it through this, I'll be fine. I've got my uh, I've got my little pillow here to rest on because I had hip surgery. Brand new hot young upstart coach in the NHL here, folks. But I do think there there should be praise for Travis because even when 
you know, what were we talking about at the beginning of this series after game one and two where it was like this team just cares about each other so much yeah. and they love each other and they have each other's back. And JT it, yells things and, and they respond. And in a situation where there's no audience, you need a team that is emotionally there for each other to generate mm-hmm. the emotion required to do the kinds of things like we saw in game four against Minnesota. And that's, you know, rally out of nothing. Will yourself to victory. And you saw people, uh, I can't remember who it was exactly, Brandon DeFazio, I think his name is. Okay. He used to play for the Utica Comets, Mm -hmm. and he responded to, I think, a Chris Faber article on Canucks Army talking about how this team might be the most bonded Canucks group we've seen in a very long time, if not ever. DeFazio said that that is a part of the way Travis is as a coach and handles his group. He wants you to be yourself. Mm-hmm. He wants you to be, uh, you know, showcase your own personality and feel comfortable in that room because the more comfortable you are, the more bonded you are. And DeFazio said that the, the Comets teams that he played on were the tightest, most, like, closely bonded groups that he's ever been yeah. a part of. And... That is a a function of coaching on some level. It's not something that we ever think about as a function of coaching, but coaching really does set that culture in the room. It's not just X's and O's and systems and strategy. It's about the way these guys are as a group. It's too. interpersonal relationships. It's how you it's you how you find a you get a twenty plus, twenty random guys together and you know that they're all some of the best athletes in the world, but you need to find a way for them to bond together and work collectively and run through a door for anybody on that roster. And you saw that in throughout the Minnesota series. And as much as we love the Sedines I don't think that that locker room was as bonded or as that one unit. In in 2011 or? Going forward, you always had like these, they were reserved, they were quiet, they were lead by example. And I don't think that there was an opportunity for a lot of personality to show, whether it be positive or negative. I, I do think that the 2011 team was very bonded as a group. Well, I mean, we I, we both had Kyle Wellwood on former podcasts, and I said, what was that dressing room like? And he was like, well, you kind of had about two and a half or three different camps, and sure, they're all playing together on the team, but I always got the sense that half the team was playing differently than the other half. That's interesting. Um, and I, do, I, I can see where Kyle would be coming from on that. Uh, obviously, that's the year before, though, too. He wasn't on the 2011. Group. Well, that team got really close as soon as Manny Malhotra got on. <laughs> you got like that changed everything, and that's. I'm not, and are I, you are you being serious right well, now? Are you making fun of me? No, I'm being serious. Okay. Don't you? Rem- no, because I do agree. Yeah. Don't you remember when he joined the team and he was there for three like. Within like the first month, it seemed like he'd been there for years, yes. and the team loved him. And yes. when he went down with an injury, it was like Trevor Linden going down. It felt like Manny Malhotra had been a Canuck for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so things definitely did change that year. And when you are playing that well and there's those expectations and you're just gelling like they did, obviously they're going to get a lot closer. But but I do agree with you if you like look at the way the, the locker room functioned from probably 2013 to 2018. Yeah, old dudes and then dumb millennials. Yes, exactly. That's where it starts to be a lot more fragmented, especially based on age groups, where whether they admit it or not, I do think the Sedins did not have a lot of time for the Jared McCanns and the Jake (laughs) Vertanens of the world. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's why Jared McCann got traded, was Sedins did not like his attitude. Yeah. And there was a big generational divide, whereas when you have a team now, and sure, 
there are some older guys on this team. There are your Alex Edlers and Chris Tanevs. There are even a Brandon Sutter, who's you know a, a veteran player. That's playoff Brandon Sutter, who's been great, <laughs> and I have to admit that. But but the bulk of this team is in the same age group. The bulk of this team speaks the same cultural language, even if they're from different countries. Yeah, they're all young. They're all coming up together. And there's no friction there, at least not perceptible from the outside. You don't have a Michael Delzato <laughs> who's telling you you can't play video games, young whippersnappers. You know, <laughs> this is a group that does feel really on the same page yeah. in a lot of ways, and I do think there is something to that. That you know, the Sedins aren't here. There's not a generational gap anymore. But I think Travis has a lot to do with that as well, because who knows? Who knows what the 2016. Uh, or 2015 to 2018 Canucks would have looked like with Travis at the helm instead of they w- uh, a, a Willie Desjardins. Well, they would have line matched for starters. They probably <laughs> would have put their best player with the Sedins. And Henrik Sedin and, this, and his brother would probably take a lot more offensive draws, and you wouldn't have opposing uh, teams and coaches coming in and laughing at his execution. <laughs> But I do like, though... That's literal, too. You know, all the little things that are driving the media crazy right now, not making practices public, not even tweeting the lines or rushes out of practice. Look, I understand. J-Pat was the one who was really banging the drum on that, and he does have a point. That's all all J-Pat has. but, But line rushes in practice and who's in and out of the lineup, that drives a ton of conversation yeah. on the airwaves, which... Drives a ton of conversation among the fan base. There's a lot of content that gets pulled, even from something as simple as practice lines. <laughs> I understand that. But also, this is the playoffs. This is a very unique situation right now. This is the playoffs, the likes of which we've never seen before. And I think it's really fun that we are watching Travis, the poker player, yes. right now. Because he is playing cards. He is holding his cards as close to the vest as possible. He is, you know, playing his poker face during every press conference. I know he doesn't like to talk about himself as a card player because it always draws jokes about, you know, Operation Slapshot and all that stuff. Like Jeremy Roenick had to delete that tweet about (laughs) Travis being a great card player or whatever. Uh, But he is playing cards right now. This is gamesmanship. This is poker Travis at the podium on a daily basis. And I love it, man. I love it. Travis Green has waited how many years to be a coach in the NHL in the playoffs? He's already a bit of a sly guy, and now he has every opportunity in the world to not disclose what he's going to do, just not disclose what an injury is. He's a pig in slop with that right now, and God bless him. I don't. I like the mystery. I I'm. It it kind of like I don't I don't follow football the most, but I watch it every Sunday with it with fantasy, and I just show up. I'm like, oh, is any who's playing? What's going on? Like. I'm so entrenched in what happens with the Canucks immediately, during these games immediately following. Give me 10 minutes of mystery. I'm all for it. <laughs> well, let's talk about a guy that Vyas and I did not talk about last night. Jacob Markstrom. Uh, no, we talked about him quite a bit. We How much money is he going to make really a, quick? A lot. A lot. Is I, he a seven yet? I, I hope it's no more than six and a half. And I, I don't say that because I don't think he deserves more. I just don't think the salary structure of this team can really afford to pay him much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, <laughs> his agent had to be thrilled with the performance he put on in game Fully five. erect. He was fully... <laughs> uh, 
as well, as you compose yourself with that singer, but I I want him re-signed. I've in the last two weeks as a fan and just somebody that follows the team, I've really gr- uh, grown a lot to admire. Grown to admire Chris Tanev and Jacob Markstrom a lot more. And, and that's something as we reflect on 2015 as well that really got hollowed out off that team. Uh, you know that off season that they got rid of Bieksa and Cassian and Eddie Lack all in the same summer. They just gutted that group of mm-hmm. personality. Yeah. And this is an entertainment product. I do think the NHL forgets sometimes that they are in the entertainment business, <laughs> and you do need like baby faces to cheer for. Yeah. And you need. And, and Jacob Markstrom is that in a huge way for this market. He right is now. a bait. We'll, we'll 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 hop up to Jake Vertanen in just a second, but Markstrom. Was came in the in the Malign Luongo deal, which everybody has their own opinion about, and it turned out pretty goddamn good at the end of the day. He was snuck. It would have been even better if they'd re-signed Sean Mathias, who I thought <laughs> it was great in I, the half season he was here. I really liked him too. <laughs> but you had Markstrom snuck in on the on the first day of uh, free season those that season where. Uh, after he played a non-televised game in California, Jimbo snuck him into the into the minors so he could properly develop. He's been here, gutting it out. He's had good years. He's had some bad years. He's had goalies galore in front of him in the depth chart and now behind him. But, like, this is a guy that you want to cheer for. And they just made the biggest deal ever about playing your whole career in one jersey. Obviously, it won't happen with, with uh, Jacob Markstrom, but, like, I want to see Chris Danov continue being a Canuck. I want to keep hearing how badly the Toronto Maple Leafs need to trade for a guy like that, or anybody needs a guy like Chris Danov. He's a. We've grown to love him as the the non-offensive-minded Sammy Sallow, who he's getting hurt, but man, he's looking great when it matters. So I want them both. I don't give a shit about Tyler Toffoli. He can keep on walking. He's got those hard L.A. Kings years on him. He's got those Ryan Kessler at 29 years on him. And I just don't like. I'm over it. I'm over Toffoli. It, def- it, de- it all depends on price, right? And I think that the market for UFAs this year is going to hit a downturn for the first time, really. Oh no! Really, in 15 years. That's too bad, Justin. No, I know it's it's good. God, it's good. And I, it's good. And I know that it's not <laughs> bad at all. But I just don't think there's going to be a seven by seven deal for Toffoli on the market this year. Nobody has that money in a shrinking cap world. Yeah. So. If the Canucks can keep him for five or even five and a half or whatever, I'm interested in that. But but even still, it's... He's going to want term. He's going to want a six-year deal, he, and he is 29, and he is a hard 29 any way you look at it. Yeah, no, I agree. He's definitely... It, there's definitely potential to sign a Lucic contract there. Eat the eat the L, eat the loss with, the, with giving away the pick, and just look at the team that you've developed. Look at the guys that are nipping at their heels to make the roster, and... You know, embrace that. But also, you know, what you brought him in to do is still on the table. Yeah. He could be back in the lineup tonight. He And if he's not back in tonight and the Blues win in force game seven, he probably will be in for game seven. And if the Canucks advance to the next round, he definitely will play in the next series. Like, yeah. he's still here and their journey is not done. His leg will be so injected, so much full of tortorol. Cortisone. Cortisone <laughs> shots. He's going to have some stem cells in there. <laughs> and he's going to be as effective as Ryan Kessler against the Bruins. But, Justin, I've been asking you, harping on you to talk about Jake Vertanen this whole yes. time. I have not been 
Well, I was going to say, we were talking about I Jacob Markstrom. I have been cutting Markstrom. you off this whole time. We've been talking about Jacob Markstrom as a guy who got sent down to the AHL five years ago. And what did he do there? Well, he took Travis Green all the way to the Calder Cup final. And another guy who I believe was on that Calder Cup final team as well was Jake Vertanen, if I'm not mistaken. I believe, I believe so. that was the year that he got sent down. He What year was that, 2015? Yes. Yeah, he would have been... In junior still. No, a year, because he stayed in the NHL, right? A year out of... Right. And then they sent him down... Oh, yeah. That's to the, right. To, ...to the AHL, but if I'm, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, but regardless, I might be off on that. He might have been in the AHL the year after. Uh, but either way, um, because I think actually he did play the entirety of 2015 in the NHL and then got sent to the A in his second year. Yeah, him and McCann made the 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 uh, made it out of camp. I believe that was 1450. And that was more of a marketing move than an actual these kids deserve to be here move. I think they needed to sell hope that season. We got some young kids, baby. <laughs> <laughs> We're not the Edmonton Oilers, not by a long shot. Um. <laughs> But, uh, you know, that's a guy that Travis has had for a very long time. Had him in the A, has him in the NHL now as well. And he's he's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. He can be an incredibly frustrating player to watch because, uh, you know, everybody says this. It's not a unique talking point to say, he's got all the tools. He just needs to figure it out. No. I don't think he really has all the tools, and he doesn't have the brain to figure it out <laughs> either. But what he does do is, you know... If he plays simple, yeah. if he plays the most north-south, up-and-down speed game imaginable, t- JT Miller said it last night. JT Miller said that you know Vertanen played great, and the reason that he played great is that he made fast plays with the puck, which yeah. means he didn't hold on to it. No, you don't want Jake Vertanen holding on to what, your puck what, too long. What JT Miller was basically saying is that Jake played great because he gave me the puck every time he had it. Do you know... Um, but but like everybody's pulling for this guy, man, Everyone? and the bar is on the floor as far as <laughs> what is a good performance. Like like yes, he scored a goal and it was a beautiful goal. Uh, he got an assist too. It was Justin. it was a classic, you know, Chell goal that he scored last night. How basically. many guys tried to score that goal in Game Five? My lord, a lot. Every team was like, "Wow, shit, there's some holes." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, he scored a goal. Yes, he had assist as well. Was he that great? Not really. I didn't think so. It was his best game of the playoffs, but people were like, playoff Jake is here, baby. Like, my God, the level of expectation that we hold this guy to relative to someone who's just like widely condemned like a Sven Berchi. <laughs> Sven Berchi is so much better as a hockey player than Jake Vertanen In is. In 2020? Yes, still right now. Absolutely. I am not going to disagree, but I don't know if you could get Sven Berchi in as many games consistently as you could a 2020 Jake Furtanen. Uh Jake Furtanen played better games than Roussel, or sorry, in game five, he played a game that was better than Roussel, Gaudet, Jay Beagle. I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that he Louis played Erickson. bad. No, no, but you're, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. He had a goal and an assist. He was noticeable, but he was like, he was noticeable because he was so abysmal in the first four games of the series. Yes. This guy... He wasn't noticeable because you wanted to scream at him. He was trending on Twitter nationwide for doing nothing. <laughs> I've brought this up on the 47 podcasts I've done this week. He was trending... Now, you talk about like, like, like if Zach Hyman gave up the puck 
on a on a power play and a giveaway led to a game-winning goal or a game-tying goal or any goal against the Leafs, Zach Hyman would be trending in Canada for doing that, for fucking up. Jake Vertanen just wasn't playing very well. He just didn't have a role on the team, and he was trending the last two goddamn games for being underachieving. And it's because it's because everybody wants to see him succeed. And not just the public. His teammates really do, too. When Jake does very simple things... When Jake just clears the zone, yeah. the bench goes crazy for him. They all want this guy to succeed, and we all do. I don't want to be sitting here and saying that the bar is on the floor for a Jake Vertanen's <laughs> success story. But that's where it is right now, because we haven't seen very much from him, especially in the playoffs, in a situation where what's everybody been talking about for the last three years with this guy? Well, just get him to the postseason, and he'll be all heart. You'll never see a better performer than this kid playing for his hometown team. You kidding me? (laughs) And, man, if this is all heart from Jake Vertanen, the guy might need to go to the hospital and get a transplant. (laughs) And I, I hate saying this after a game where he played well, because he did play well. But how do you get that from him more regularly and without having to play him with Elias Pettersson? Because it's easy for a lot of guys to play good games when that's who they're playing with. He's not the best player. He's not a very good player. He can skate really hard and fast. He weighs over 200 pounds so he can lay hits. And he can score some goals. But he's not physical. No. He's just a big... My old man used to always refer to Taylor Pyatt as a dumb plow horse. Mm-hmm. And but that, even Taylor Pyatt is a better player than course. Jake Vertanen. Jake's just like like a doofus. That's or I, he was, anyways. He's just he's out there, and he's like, I I just get the sense, like I always remember what Theo Fleury would write, and it wrote in his tremendous book, Playing With Fire, where he was told to not, don't think, react on the ice. And that's what Jake Vertanen needs to do. This is somebody out in... in all we talk about with the eyes on the Canucks is yes, how Jake is, of course, a notorious thinker. <laughs> he needs to. Well, look what JT Miller said. You don't think, you react, yes, you give me no, the you're puck, right. and you're going to be fine. All the Canucks, all the players on this team that everyone raves about, talks about their hockey IQ and their skills and how smart they are with protecting the puck and making smart plays. Mm-hmm. Jake is none of that. Jake is a. Big lummox hockey player that if can do one thing and he can do it well. He can enter the zone fast and he can he can blast a shot he from can top shoot of the and circle. He can skate and that's literally it. So put him in a put him in a spot where that can succeed. And it he, Travis Green did that where he put him on a roll in a, on a different line. He put him on different lines where all you need to do is skate and shoot and maybe hit and pass the puck to a better player. Yeah, we can we can nitpick about how he shouldn't have been taken fifth or sixth overall, but goddammit, if they That's, Canucks... This is what he is. This is what we have. The Canuck, If the Canucks didn't take him at five or six, Detroit or whoever would have taken him at seven or eight. This is a guy that was going to go in the top ten. It's not like the Canucks were swindled by a snake oil system. No, it's just there's a lot of people in the fan base, myself included, who would have rather had Ehlers or Nylander at oh, that spot. Oh, And that's really? not even hindsight. You that's, don't say. That's day of. That's the players people wanted on the day. I hate when you bring this up and people are like, easy to say that now. No, we were saying it at the time, too. I Well, I watched Jake Furtanen play in the dub. We covered the 20... It was the year the Canucks were in the playoffs. 2014. It was a 2015... He was already drafted by Can- by the Canucks, and he was his, the Hitmen were playing the Did Brandon. Did he get Weekends. sent back to junior midway through that season? Then I don't think they made the show. What year? Was, oh, it was 2016. Sorry, it was the year he was in the show. Um, 
He is whatever he got sent after. But I watched him play in Brandon, and I'm like, I'm very excited. I'm going to watch the ISO cam, and I'm just going to watch Jake Furtanen play hockey. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he got suspended in the first game for a dirty hit, which just kind of summed up what you needed to know. But he just he's not an impressive hockey player. He's a simple, simple man. And put not to make a wrestling analogy, but Paul Heyman he took wrestlers and put them in places to succeed. You hide the weaknesses. You amplify the positives. You have to know what their positives are, though, to be able to do that. Jake's got two. And yes, and I think Travis knows that as well, which uh, circles back to our original point that this is a guy who is a good coach, who is getting a lot out of a little. You know, He doesn't have a ton of players, a ton of horses that he can ride on this roster. The guys that he can ride are obvious because he is. Well, I was, you know, not to cut you off, but I was thinking on the way over here, enjoy knocking on wood that this team is relatively healthy because if somebody in that top six goes down, this team is nothing. I mean, we've already we've already seen it. Tyler Toffoli's I don't, out. He does not exist he, to he, me. He doesn't count to you. He doesn't. Like, I, that is, that's he's, the he's, one. He's an apparition. <laughs> <laughs> there was a little while there where people saw the specter of Tyler Toffoli on the ice, and then he vanished back into the ether. Tyler Toffoli had one good game in February, but there, no, everybody forgot about Tyler it. Tyler Toffoli? <laughs> he died 20 years ago this very night. <laughs> you go look at uh, like old photos of the 1970 Canucks and Tyler Toffoli is in the photo. <laughs> <laughs> but this team, you can't get hurt and just enjoy it for what it is. And I, if they played the Colorado Avalanche, they would get the shit kicked out of them. But it would be a fun series because the, the they play those, they match up with that team really well. Yeah, I would rather play Colorado than Vegas. Vegas is just a big four. We got four second lines that can score and can hurt, and we're just built for the playoffs. Vegas would beat the Canucks up and win like eight to three. Yeah, but I do think the Canucks could beat the Avs in like seven to six games, and I don't just say that exact score because we saw that game last year. No, and I they match up with them. They play very good, very good skill hockey against them. And the reason they they won games one and two and five was because they played a fast, dangerous game. And if they get that, if they beat the Blues and somehow wind up playing them, they could compete. I don't say they would win. They could take some games, but it would be a very entertaining series. But if they lose to the Blues, the last takeaway message that I want people to draw from this series is that they lost because they're not tough enough or they don't have enough size and they lost to a team that was able to bully them because that is not the takeaway lesson from this series. If they don't win this, it's because they don't have guys who can skate, guys who can carry the puck out of their own zone into the offensive zone. They, They just... Like, I'm not a big Tyler Myers fan, but how could you argue that the team doesn't miss Tyler Myers right now? I was honestly thinking that the team might even be better with him yeah, out of we the were lineup. All yucking it up. Yeah, and you watch the last three games, they very obviously miss him. I don't even think they miss the entirety of his skill set. They just miss a guy who can skate like that, whose name is not Quinn Hughes, who is on a different pairing than Quinn Hughes, who can do a vague facsimile of Quinn Hughes' things as far as rushing the puck, because there's a big lack of that on this team. And guys like Edler and guys like Tanev 
bless their souls. <laughs> I love them both. They're just so old and slow at this point. And that is the weakness of this team. It's not toughness. It's not you need to go add more grit. It's not, Where well, you we need, need to, to go add, add a Michael Furland character. <laughs> Where? David Perron is the is the Brad Marchand villain of the series. And like outside of just playing, you know, hard hockey and yeah, some some sticks here or there, he's not doing anything that I need to call for his head on a fence post. I'm sorry. Like he's just fast and pesky. Yeah, which is you're just jealous. Like I mean, I'm not jealous. But like that's what you want in a playoff performer. If only Jake Vertanen could be pesky. If only Jake Vertanen could learn to battle along the wall. Yeah, and that is a teachable skill because we've seen Brock Besser learn it he did in the it last, last year night. and a half. He did it on. He's been great at that all season, and perhaps none better than Game Five. Yep. Absolutely. And to me, I know that Brock is probably a much smarter guy and a well. smarter player than Jake is. But if Brock can learn to do that, Jake should be able to too. Because I've said this for a long time about Jake. He he should have the skill set. And I know that he's not a guy who can pick up a puck along the wall. He's mm-hmm. not a board battler at all. But if you could teach him that, he could be a very effective penalty killer. And if he could kill penalties, you wouldn't need a lot of the dead weight in the bottom six of this team right now. Mm-hmm. He could have a useful role if he could grow into that. And look, all the most successful bottom six players in the league, what do they all have in common? They were high-end scorers in junior. <laughs> well, Jake wasn't even that in junior. <laughs> Jake was just a hard-nosed fa- Jake. The, Jake and junior is the exact same player we're seeing now. I know. I it's know. Just, I don't know. Hey, just hey, fans, just be glad they didn't draft Michael Rasmussen. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I just, you know, I I so badly, and I I've criticized him a lot you sh- over and he the last couple weeks. So. Yeah, I don't think I owe anyone an apology. Certainly not Jake, but. I just want to be clear that when I'm critical of him, it's because I, like Travis, like his teammates, like everyone in this city, wants to see him succeed so badly. And he has been given more opportunity to do that than basically anyone else in his position ever would be. You can't help but want to root for him mm-hmm. and it and that's that's why that is why he he trends nationwide when he does nothing yeah is that people are disappointed in the lack of anything they're not mad they're disappointed yeah we're, we are all jake's parents basically. well you had a good teacher you had a good teacher uh monologue there we're all pulling for you we don't. We just want to see you do your best. You have it in you. You just need to read the goddamn book. Yeah, <laughs> the outsiders. <laughs> I don't. Why is his name Pony Boy? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. Why? This guy's named Dally. What kind of name is that? <laughs> that's a great book. I love that book. I think that's the level of reading that Jake is probably still at into his mid twenties. <laughs> well, that was grade eight. Yep. He did go to the same high school I went to in Abbotsford. And he did play junior hockey, so he probably didn't read the Outsiders. That's a good question. <laughs> this Bru- is this is the real. Obviously, loves he loves Lord of the Rings. I don't even know if he's read the books, but he certainly watches the movies a lot. Can he read the books? I'm Has sure. he read The Outsiders? That, and and we want him to. <laughs> I want him. I like. There's so much I like about him. I want him to just. I want him to be a good contributing member of this team and this society for a long time. But yeah, I'm curious if he read The Outsiders because uh, I, I plowed through The Outsiders because he just might find himself as an outsider heading into this off season. 
Hey yo. Hey yo. That's the show. <laughs> Ryan, uh great chatting with you. I'm sure you'll be back before too long here. Uh of course, tell the people where they can find you on Pucks on Net. Yeah, you can uh you can listen to us everywhere you get your podcasts from. Just hit uh head to pucksonnet.ca. Uh, <laughs> I did it to you. Oof, baby. <laughs> uh and uh we're doing uh, post game shows after every Canucks game while well, we're trying to and it is the best post game show in the city. It's also the most time efficient. Uh so no need to turn on your terrestrial radio. No offense to all the people in the earshot of me right now. Heck, you're you're doing more shows per week than I am <laughs> right now. I I will admit I had some personal things to deal with this week. Uh so the show was uh, absent for the first 3 days of this week unfortunately, which sucks during playoff time but uh, yeah you you know what i was dealing with and i really needed to deal with that you, yeah you got, <laughs> this band's gotta take care of business but yeah check out our show we're uh we're putting out a lot we're doing uh, doing a lot of content we're doing a good job and uh the and longest running canucks podcast i think we're the second longest uh a word of advice to you kids out there if you want to do a podcast and do it for a long time Take most of December off and don't podcast in the summer because nobody wants to talk about hockey in the middle of goddamn July. See, summer was always the good times for my old show because we would just be goofy and have no hockey to talk about whatsoever. <laughs> but an, uh, but and, enough, that's, and that's why we don't do the show anymore. <laughs> enough about Michael Rasmussen in the last episode. Oh, <laughs> uh, Ryan, you are a, uh, a good friend and it is always nice to see you. Thanks for uh, stopping by the office here. The feeling is incredibly mutual. And with that, that is your show for the day. I hope you enjoyed it. Of course, as always, head on over to the Apple Podcasts app. Leave me a rating and a review if you could be so kind. I always love to see that. It's like free therapy, and who doesn't need therapy during these quarantine months? I certainly do, as you can tell from the way I've been slowly unraveling doing these shows. Until tomorrow, when I'm back to break down Game 6, which is hopefully the final game in this series. Ryan, they're going to close this thing out or no? Uh, yeah, the, you'll find out in the first five minutes of the first period if they're going to close it out. My heart says yes. My brain says, uh, mm, you know what? I'm going to say yes. I think they're going to, they, Craig Berube does not know who he's going to put in net and they're on the ropes and they're reeling. And if the Canucks come in with that BDE for game six and play fast, they can do it. And Jacob Markstrom never lacking in BDE. Uh, <laughs> Until tomorrow, I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette, and you've been locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.